3: That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. (laughs)
4: Steve Rosenbloom. There was a keg stand I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off <laughs> the next floor and then and but I was it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm gonna dunk his ass. They suck so
2: you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right?
4: Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show. And I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on The Score. We should be 670 WSUK. is here. Grobber. It sucks, and it freebases. <laughs> John Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks.
3: Jake Arrieta. This sucks. Really, it does.
4: Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you gotta embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez.
3: Hey, you guys, nothing I make anyway. You guys, I suck. When when I got traded the nice next day, oh, welcome to the suck team, Toby. Oh my god, this sucks.
4: Random Bears fan. At the suck. Tremors. finally made a list of
2: somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do.
4: The Madrix. I wouldn't say seeking perfection; it's just mainly trying not to suck. Julie Swika.
2: Man, that sucks.
3: Wilson Contreras. losing suck. I'll tell you that and, and
4: that's all I can say. George Wendt. We had fun, uh,
1: but there you go.
4: I suck. Garth Algar. Get it off, man. Get it off. It's sucking my will to live. Steve Dahl. Deal score sucks. Deal score sucks. Candice Parker.
5: Um, I mean, it sucks.
4: Roquan Smith. Yeah, man. Sucks. Tyler Ferengold.
1: I'll try not to suck.
4: Yeah. Well you you would have. It would have if damn Cesar Perez, you just should have gotten out of the way. Then he would have been on brand, Caesar. Don't start punching buttons for our, our new rookie producer. Hi, Tyler. How are you doing? You doing all right? You don't just does this suck for you, Tyler?
1: Well, I'll try not to follow the brain of the show, and if I do suck, I'll just embrace it. No,
4: this is it's all about Sucking. It's all about sucking so people don't have to. We're here for them. That's what Saturday Suckage is all about. Much too late to save Purdue and Matt Painter, but we'll get to him in just a moment. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer. Our phone number at the score. 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. That'll get you to our listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit the BetQL.com website. That number, 312-644-6767, also gets you to the score's text zone. The text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhunday.com And before we even... Got to this point. 971 texture. you can do the whole show about Purdue basketball, Steve. Nobody sucks like them except maybe Illinois basketball, LOL. Well, actually, Purdue does suck more than Illinois. Earlier Friday, in what seemed to be a calmer time among NCAA tournament, a tweet came out. Former boiler maker's great Jaden Ivy. He's now a piston. He tweeted out pretty simple, with a boiler train in front of a locomotive. Let's make history. No lie, true fact, perfect, too perfect.
1: I hope he means history by three straight years of losing to a double-digit seed in the tournament.
4: Farley Dickinson went 4 22 last season. That would be the opponent for Purdue, the number one seed. Farley Dickinson would be the number 16 seed. Tobin Anderson got the coaching job at Farley Dickinson in May. And he proceeded to lead the Knights to a historic 1 16, 16 1 upset. It is an incredible accomplishment for reasons you may not fully know. And here's how incredible, just listen, here is Farley Dickinson coach Tobin Anderson right after the game on the court on TNT.
3: Coach, on Wednesday, we heard you say in the locker room, the more I watch Purdue, the more I think I can beat this, we can beat this team. What did you see on tape?
1: Well, I mean, I just trust our guys. They have faith in our guys. And that speech got overblown, you know. We just have faith in what we do, and our guys are so tough and so competitive, you know. I'll do a better job in this locker room speech than the last, but I'll be a little more competitive. It was the right message, maybe the wrong audience. But listen, I love our guys. They're tough. They're gritty. They—they play, play their tails off. That's an unbelievable win. I mean, we just did something that was something that's unbelievable. We just shocked the world, and and uh, couldn't happen to a better a bunch of guys, a better bunch of fans, my family, the whole thing. So we are <laughs> ecstatic, unbelievable. We're gonna stay in Columbus. I love it.
4: That's Tobin Anderson, coach of Farley Dickinson. The best part about what Farley Dickinson last night is Farley Dickinson shouldn't have been there. Farley Dickinson finished second in the conference to Merrimack and then lost by a point to Merrimack in the conference tournament. Merrimack should have been there, not Farley Dickinson. Merrimack should have been Purdue's opponent. Merrimack was not Purdue's opponent. Because there is an NCAA rule among the many stupid things the NCAA has. The NCAA rule makes a team ineligible for the tournament if it is transitioning to a D1 status, as Merrimack was doing. So the second-place finisher, Farley Dickinson, went and went to the final. The first four of the play-in won and then showed up to play Purdue. That's what makes this the greatest upset in college basketball history. And I want to stop everyone right now before, before you start talking about the greatest upset in sports ever. No, as long as the scoreboard reads four, three in Lake Placid, us four Soviets three, the miracle on ice will remain the greatest upset since David and Goliath. So the miracle remains the greatest. However, there was NCAA history being made. and it was this, as John Rothstein, a CBS Sports Insider, point he makes. If you remember UMBC, we'll get to them in a moment. They're wonderful. University of Maryland, Baltimore County. In 2018, they beat Virginia. Or St. Peter's, a 215 and that too was Purdue. Hello! Farley Dickinson did not learn did not earn an at-large qualifier. Merrimack did, but was ineligible. Unlike UMBC or St. Peter's, Farley Dickinson came from the first four. So yeah, congratulations, Matt Painter and Purdue. Congratulations. Congra- <clears throat> congratulations on getting Zach Eady. Now, Zach Eddie is seven foot four. He's the, maybe the player of the year, right? You could call it. We'll, we'll wait to see how that goes, how that comes down. Zach Eady gets one shot in the final 12 minutes against the smallest school in the tournament. While Matt Painter's team is shooting five for 26 for from three. Congratulations, Matt Painter. Zach. Edie, like, it's not like he had a bad game. 20 points, 15 rebounds, three blocks, 60% from the field, that or more. And it's the first time anybody has done that and lost in the NCAA tournament. Congratulations, Matt Painter and Purdue. There's this tweet noting from beating the books, from six with six forty one to go to fifty five seconds to go, Purdue didn't attempt a single two point field goal while in the bonus with Zach Eady against the smallest team in the country, which got in the tournament on a technicality. Congratulations, Matt Painter. Here's Purdue, the only team to lose to a team seated 13 or worse in three consecutive NCAA tournaments. Count them, three, count them there in West Lafayette. But wait, it gets worse. Matt Painter, Matt Painter, Purdue is the only school ever to lose to both a 15 seed and a 16 seed. Congratulations, Matt Painter. In all, Matt Painter of Purdue has a tournament resume. Well, actually, in all Matt Paint, this is Matt Painter's coaching resume in the tournament. He has lost to an 11 seed, a 12 seed. A 13 seed, a 15 seed, and now a 16 seed. So Matt Painter needs only a loss to 14, to a 14 seed to cover his NCAA choking bingo card. I can't imagine there is a more choking his coach. I was trying to figure something out, trying to find a name. Who has choked worse than Matt Painter? And I thought, first thing that pops to mind in a lot of these discussions is Bobby Cox. He had Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. For 15 years, he won World Series. But he won a World Series. It was only one, but he won a World Series. And winning kind of makes, okay, so that doesn't, okay. How about Dusty Baker? Dusty Baker went out to the mound took the ball from Russ Ortiz in 2002 and asked him if he wanted to keep the ball. And the Giants never won another game. Dusty Baker's Giants. And we saw what happened in 2003. Dusty managing against the Marlins. And and Moises Alou throwing a fit in left field. And, well, that didn't happen. But I, Dusty won a World Series last year with the Cheating Astros. The Bastros.
1: The Asterix.
4: Yeah. So the the next name I came up with, Marley, Marv Levy. Chicago's, he's a resident here. He is a a well-educated, wonderful man. Great guy to sit and talk with. Marv Levy went to four straight Super Bowls and lost all four. And you go, wow, that's okay. Here's where it's still not worse than Matt Painter because he got four Super Bowls. The only teams he couldn't beat for four straight years was an NFC representative. He beat everybody in the AFC. He got to four straight Super Bowls. Nobody's ever gotten to four straight Super Bowls. Marvel, he got to four straight Super Bowls. He didn't win one of them, and that's why it... But Matt Painter has lost to an 11-12, a a a 13-15, and now a 16. How cool is that?
1: I got a legit question, though. How much longer do you think he'll be the head coach, knowing that this school says, all right, we know we're going to have a good regular season and come up short in the tournament almost every single year?
4: Well, there you go. I don't know. In West Lafayette, <clears throat> maybe they'll figure that out someday. They've got a history of that. It's not like, as a texture notes, 773 texture he takes after his mentor, Gene Cady, who's still waiting on his first Final Four appearance. He stayed there a long time without a Final Four. So one of the happy outcomes, I mean, Farley Dickinson is a great story. And most of these times when you see going back to Gonzaga or College of Charleston, or like, who, what, where, huh? They all get asked. But in this age of social media, this for me is one of the best, most human, most entertaining, funniest parts of the story is the social media. If you have, if you're a college, College basketball program, college athletics program, you need a good social media. You need a funny social media. You need you need a team that carpe diem, seize the moment, know what's going on, be able to comment on the game in front of you. Much like a coach needs to coach the game in front of him, Matt Painter can't do that. But Farley Dickinson social media, that's a number one seat. So there are a couple of minutes to go, and FDU Knights, MBB, that's Farley Dickinson University, the, the Knights, men's basketball, tweeted out this. <laughs> this is so good. As as the Purdue game is winding down. Big replay here. That's all in caps. Big replay here. In the meantime, we'll save you the Google. FDU is in Hackensack, New Jersey proud of it too that's the farley dickinson social media so this all immediately i'm thinking i love these people they're just like umbc university of maryland baltimore county that upset virginia the first 16 seed to beat a 1 and they were spectacular the umbc social media was great as the upset last night was in full unfolding, UMBC tweeted out a shot of the bat signal with a Batman standing on a peak. Just singular, Batman. And after the game, after the upset, FDU tweeted, what's up, UMBC? And UMBC tweeted back, we have a friend, all caps, to that, Farley Dickinson's social media tweeted, they tweeted the scene, it was a video, the scene from Step Brothers. John C. Riley, Will Ferrell standing there. Did we just become best friends? That's awesome. And here's what I, <clears throat> my emotional support oracle at Trader Joe's, <clears throat> guy named John. He, he's a Boilermaker right down to his collection of mechanical pencils. And so he was not, not a real happy guy. So of course I seized on that and I walked up to the bridge and I took out my phone and I said, Hey Siri, tell me about the celebrations in Farley Dickinson. Tell me about the celebrations on Farley Dickinson campus. And he just drops his head. And I really hadn't seen any. It struck me like, what is really going on? So I found a reporter, a Twitter account of a reporter named Liam Quinn. He works for The Record and at NorthJersey.com. And he tweeted this comment, wild scene on FDU's campus. And it had a picture. And the picture under it was of the school buildings in the distance, way in the distance, way in the distance of a near empty parking lot. In the biggest week, Farley Dickinson sports history, this is spring break. Nobody was on campus. I just love this story so much. And I wanted to share all that with you. And I love that the idea that Purdue is, it's very big tennis of Purdue, by the way. And I love the idea that Matt Painter is only. A 14 and a 10. He's only a 14 and a 10 away from losing to every double-digit seed. That is a hell of a choking bingo card. This is Saturday Suckage, so of course we talked about Purdue. Of course. We're going to take a break. When we come back, our first guest, I'll give you the guest list later, and then we'll have a, oh, you know what? You can set this up now. All right, Tyler, as long as you're new here and you're, you you, sorted, you tried to suck during the roll call, didn't quite make it. Dr. Dradel is my rap name now, as voted on by the audience. Set up a web poll. Tr- Listen, Tyler, set up a web poll. Dr. Dradel or this week's challenger, Biggie Schmaltz. Okay? Set that up. People can vote. It's at 670, the score. That's our, our Twitter account, and we can run a web poll. Can you do that, Tyler?
1: I can make that happen
4: do it. We'll come back with Corey Wooten. We'll talk Bears defensive line. What is it? Where is it? When is it going to happen? Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
4: Instacart
1: knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: How much better can you get on the defensive line between now and when yeah. you get the players here in the spring? You've got Walker and but that's about it to a pretty thin
0: unit. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, it's uh, right now. It's we get the sense of we got we gotta fix everything right now, and the opportunities are be really limited. But I feel comfortable with between the rest of free agency. We're only two days into it, as well as in the draft that we can get that group as good as we possibly can. And at the same time, there are gonna be some weak spots on our roster that we can't fix everything. But we are gonna stay flexible to do the best we can to get better. And then, again, if you go from a short-term thinking of we got to do everything right now, you extend that out and do things the right way, over time, we'll be able to heal up all of those positions.
4: Here's GM Ryan Poles, meeting the media this week, Standing in the rain. talking about... Well, the defensive line, but also in there was the, you got his macro view. You got his 30,000 foot view of what's going on and what's going on bears fans. And we're, we're all caught. I'm kind of caught. We're all caught. They make moves. They get better. How could they not get better, right? They were the worst team in football. They were 3-14. and 14. They sucked on their offensive line. They sucked on the defensive line. They sucked offensively. They sucked defensively. Anywhere you could do it, you did it. Hell, they sucked in the GM's office. Chase Claypool turned out to be a disaster for now. He didn't make Justin Fields any better. He got hurt, and Ryan Poles gave up pretty much a first-round draft pick to get him. The Steelers specifically chose the Bears over the Packers. They knew the Bears would be worse. They were right. The Bears were the worst. Thank you, Lovey Smith. And and Ryan Poles knows what's in front of them. And what's in front of them is not next year, but you get excited that they're making moves. They traded the first round pick. They got a number 1 receiver. They got a first uh, they swapped first rounders this year. They got a A first-rounder next year. They got a second-rounder next year along with D.J. Moore. They are piling up draft picks so they can amass talent. And how that plays out will be a large part of Ryan Poles' legacy. Now that he's—I mean, it's easy to wreck something, even even the Bears— There were some talented players, and then you saw them all leave, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. And for a while there, it looked like Roquan Smith ruined the Bears season. He held out, quitting on his teammates. He held out. And then when he showed up, he made an interception late in the game against the Houston Texans, and Cairo Santos was set up for a winning field goal and he did it and like for the longest time until Lovey Smith played to win when he should have been fired before the two-point conversion it looked like Roquan Smith's interception was going to be the difference between the first and second pick and all the leverage in the world and not and then he used all the leverage Ryan Poles did because Lovey Smith got it. and we're um we're trying still trying to get Corey Wooten Tyler Ferguson is Producing this show and reaching out to make his first big splash on Saturday 2nd and no answer. It's Okay. We'll get there, Tyler. Anyways, the, 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 the trades, the moves, the signings, look at Green Bay tight end. A guy who's coming home. A lot of people are coming home. They got linebackers. One thing I don't understand. Someone's going to have to explain to me. If you don't want to pay twenty million dollars for Roquan Smith, which I think was the number kicked around, why are you paying $18 million for his replacement? Roquan Smith is better, was better, his numbers are better. How 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 is that not happening? Did he get so personal in the negotiations? Did Ryan Poles not navigate that well? Did did he I, I don't understand how 2 million dollars. It can make a difference in salary cap, I guess, whatever counts against that, but you you didn't want to pay a better linebacker 2 million dollars more. And so we're wondering I'm wondering why. How does that work? And the the thing that's hasn't been addressed really is that impact player on the defensive line. Edge rusher, three technique, anybody who can hunt quarterbacks. Understand, this team's active leader at the end of the season was Jaquan Brisker. He's your safety, and he's leading your team in sacks. Just to clarify, not a good thing. So they need people there. They need a guy in the middle, their version of Tommy Harris or Warren Sapp or any name you want. Somebody to play that and thought it was going to be Jalen Carter for all the time. If if, if Ryan Pauls had hung onto that draft pick and kept the number one pick. And I wonder how much Jalen Carter turning into a person a person of interest, as police would say. And being cited for a couple misdemeanors in an accident that killed two people. How much did that play into his decision? Actually, Brian Poles, based on the signings last year, people who brought in Byron Pringle and Matt Adams and who was the other guy? David Moore. He brought in guys that got arrested. So maybe Poles likes his guys to come pre-arrested. Maybe Jalen Carter is of interest to him. And now the thought is he traded back to nine. Ryan Poles did taking the Panthers offer of swapping first round picks and everything else that went along all the filthy lucre, the bears got. And then you're watching Jalen Carter, just a death spiral of a draft status from a guy who might've been the number one pick to suddenly he's got to go home. He's leaving the combine. He's not meeting with anybody. He's got to go answer police charges he's got a post-bail, then he shows up at the Combine, meets with teams, won't meet with the media, goes home, and nine days later, at a pro day, he's fat and slow and can't finish his positional drills. Fat, dumb, and stupid is no way to go through life, son, Dean Wormer said. He didn't say dumb. Dumb and stupid would be the same thing. But, it seems as though Jalen Carter, Carter is doubling down on his idiocy. And he might be there when Ryan Poles picks. When the Bears pick at nine. Presuming they hold on to number nine. They might not. He's got enough ammo now to trade up. Ryan Poles does. If there's somebody there he desperately wants at seven, he could do that. 217 texture. Four-year deal versus six-year deal. So it's $28 million difference in money and not just $2 million a year. Well, every deal can be cut four or six-year deal, all you get, you know what? In football, you get a one-year deal. That's it. Sometimes you get a one-game deal. It's not the length of that. Guys get cut all the time. Guys sign $154 million contracts. Wasn't that what Jay did? Jay, Jay Cutler signed $126 million contract and didn't collect half of that. So the length of the term of the deal all means nothing in the NFL. All right. We managed to track down our guy. Corey Wooten, he joins me on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book.
5: Corey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Sorry, guys. I was dealing with a uh, dog kennel situation. So,
4: <laughs> Dog versus kennel. Did the dog win or did the kennel win, Corey.
5: No, no, no. With some kind of paperwork with the vaccines and all that. Oops. You know, the, the Bordetella, Rabies, and all that. We got ironed out, though. We got a ski trip next week, so had to take care of that. But th- thanks for being patient with me, fellas.
4: All right. We have Corey Wooten from Fox 32, football analyst, former Bear, and and a former defensive lineman, most notably ending Brett Favre's career with a sack. So what the Bears let's go back to what Ryan Poles did last week with his Mm -hmm. trade, what you thought, and what you think of the events that have transpired leaving the position you played largely unattended.
5: Yeah, I really like what he did last week, You know, trading the number one pick back to number nine, getting D.J. Moore because I was really worried that they weren't going to get a number one receiver, especially the fact that D.J. Moore is only 25 years old. I followed him when I worked for the Big Ten Network, explosive player, a guy that can high point the ball, go up and get it. And that's kind of what the Bears were missing, that was Justice Fields was missing. And every great quarterback in this league has a number one that can go up and get it, right? And then being able to get a number one next year, uh, number two, uh, second-round pick this year, second-round pick next year. I, th- I thought that was amazing, right? Dress some of the offensive line needs, you know, with, with uh, the, the guy from uh, Tennessee, um, Nate, Nate Davis, um, the guard, really, really good player, um, but – now, now, all of a sudden, right, the defensive line, we only had one guy that we picked up, and there's a lot of needs. There's, there's four positions that really, uh, you know, the Bears really need in a hurry, especially pass rushers. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. There's going to be some really good defensive ends available still in the second and third round, um, and then potentially in the first as well. But there's a lot of needs on the defensive side of the ball.
4: Corey Wooten is my guest. He was born on my birthday on June 22nd, although he was born about 41 years later. Twenty-one years. Later. I don't know. I can't even count now. I can't believe that you were born on June twenty-second, yep. and I'm in fifty-six, fifty-sixty-six, seventy-six, eighty-six. My God, thirty-one years later you were born, and I'm, oh, Corey, I, I eighty-seven. I man. did not have to feel old to do this, but I feel old. So you watch what the beard they there. They need pass rushers, and then you saw for the longest time Jalen Carter. I guess before. <clears throat> before the incident in Georgia where two people died in a, in a, in a drag racing a car racing a vehicle yep. a, a racing incident. And then the mess at the combine. And then he shows uh, and, he, and before then he was talked about as a number one pick for a team like the bears. Well, we got our quarterback. We don't need that. This is a guy who makes the entire defense go like Tommy Harris did. Now, I don't know where his draft status is. You see what happens where he's got to go answer to charges and he pokes bail and he shows up, teams talk to him. Then he goes back, he does his pro day, and he shows up fat and out of shape and he can't finish drills for his pro day. What do you make of that? What was, What's your risk tolerance or what do you think Ryan Poles' risk tolerance is for that?
5: Yeah, I, I I think I'm done with him unless you can get him in the second round. And I don't think he'll fall to the second round but for me you know a guy that's going to be your first round pick that's going to be the lifeline of that defense especially in that Tampa two that three technique I'm actually now looking at a guy Kalijah Kansi that I've been really high on reminds me a lot of Aaron Donald right similar size his explosion and and if I'm going to be honest with you I think as a pass rusher he is more dominant than Jalen Carter I think he is really you know I just I do look at the tape of him he is, he is as explosive as you can come. And when you talk about the Tampa 2, that three technique, mm-hmm. I mean, he fly, he flies off the ball. And that's what you need in here. Um, so in, in my opinion, I like him better than Jalen Carter because he plays with the motor, right? He's a guy that's going to give give you everything you have, every down. Pass rusher, he's, he's already there. Um, and in this Tampa 2 scheme, it is, it's not about run stop. It's about how quickly can you get off the ball and that sets the edge of the defense. So you allow a guy to get up uphill and penetrate, I think he'd be a great fit, especially if the Bears are at number nine right now, especially if they were able to trade back uh, again potentially and then get him in that you know 15 to 20 range. I think that'd be a good fit.
4: Especially if he doesn't come with any priors. I got one last yeah. question, Corey. I appreciate it. Let's call on your Northwestern ties. And another person the Bears will look at, another player the Bears certainly would look at, is Peter Skaronsky, left tackle. What do you mm-hmm. make of him as a pro? Is he a left tackle, a right tackle, a
5: guard? I, and what I, do you I think, scout yeah, him for I think me? Could, yeah, I think he could play any position. I, I think he's he's a natural left tackle, but people are saying about his arm size. My thing is like this. You could either play or you can't. You look at the tape of him two years ago against Aiden Hutchinson, arguably the, the best the best rookie to come out this mm-hmm. past year, locked him down. Um, left tackle arm length wasn't an issue. Um, Skronsky could play guard. He played right tackle when Slater was there, so he can play any position across the uh, offensive line. So it seems like for me that the Bears feel good about Braxton Jones as their left tackle because they were trying to get McGlinchey um, to play right tackle. Um, so I, I, I think I think personally, like they're probably going to pass on him because I think I, I would play I would play him at, at left guard. You know, if you feel good about Braxton Jones, I would draft him. You know, maybe ninth, slide him in the left guard, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you and then Tevin Jenkins to right tackle. You all know, right.
4: I, you I, got you got your all your toy soldiers. You're moving them all over the place, aren't yeah. you? All
5: right. You you can play Skaronski at any of those positions. All right. You know, I think that's that's the great part about him.
4: Corey, I appreciate the time. Glad you got everything down. Pet the doggy for me, okay? What's the doggy's <laughs> name? Is the doggy's <laughs> name Brad or farmer
5: Char- Char- Charlie and Baines. Yeah, right. two dogs.
4: <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it, Corey. All right, thank you. All right. That's Corey Wooten, former Bear Fox 32 analyst and football. Take a break. When we come back, we'll analyze the offensive line with the Super Bowl center, Jay Hilgenberg. Saturday, Sucker, Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
1: How would you characterize kind of the activity on the offensive tackle market and and what this week has been like and where you go from here?
0: Yeah, I will stick to this. I mean, it comes down to value and where we felt comfortable. You know, with our research, our evaluations, analytics, all of that, you know, there was a certain point where we were comfortable with based on the value and the evaluation that we had. And if it surpassed that, we were okay with with moving on.
4: And it did. Ryan Poles thought Going above $17 million for Mike McGlinchey was too much. Said pass. Bye-bye. Let's talk offensive line. We just talked defensive line with Corey Wooten. We will talk offensive line with Jay Hilgenberg. He's joining me on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Home of the world's largest sportsbook. Jay, thanks for taking time out this morning. I appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm I'm feeling pretty groovy. You know, sometimes my grooviness precedes me but that's just something that cannot be dealt with other than to wrap yourself in it. Okay, Jay.
3: Right. It's hard to deny that.
4: Yeah. Hard to deny grooviness. So it looks like from all the stuff Ryan pole said, let's start with, it looks like Cody white here is moving back to center for now. Everything with Ryan poles, rightly so is for now or today. So what do you think of that? You've watched him play center. You watched him play guard, scout the, the center, scouting the center for me.
3: Um, well, I, you know, that's, uh, Cody is, is quite an athlete in there. He, he's had a nice career last year. He's banged up a little bit, played injured. I think that affected him a little bit. Um, uh, the, the, the one thing I have a little concern on with Cody at the center position is, is playing out of the shotgun. Um, he, he had trouble, uh, snapping that, that, um, that pass back to the quarterback and then he so then he ended up like what a lot of college guys do is just grab one end of the ball and flip it back and if if Justin feels fine with that um, there shouldn't be a problem with doing it that way but um, you know it's gonna be some good competition I mean I I like that you know Sam Mustaford is a guy that um, he's there every single day he he shows up he's a smart player so I mean if Cody goes to center and Sam's there. I, I know he's a free agent, so you don't know really what's going to happen there, but um, that, that could be quite a competition. I think, you know, bringing in a, signing a Nate, Nate Davis um, from Tennessee is going to add some competition to that offensive line. That, that's really what um, I look forward to at training camp and building this team, and, and I'm sure what Ryan Poles is going to do in the future is um, – you know, get guys that are going to compete. To, you know, jobs aren't uh, earned in the off season. They, they, I just believe they got to be earned in training camp and, and how you um, physically go out in the field and stake your claim to that job. Jay Hilgen, Jay Hilgenberg is my guest,
4: center for the 85 Bears. So we're talking to him about Cody White here. And if Nate Davis, is he, the contract would seem to indicate he's your starting left guard. That's where he plays.
3: I mean, I like his... Um, measurables you know six three he's going to be a leverage guy you know i'm i I believe in you know six three six two because that's that's what i am so
4: (laughs) so you're a strong believer in club six two six
3: three (laughs) yeah absolutely i am um you know it's you know the other thing i hear all these scouts talk about you know measurables and they they knock guys having short arms and um I'm telling you, that's the most overrated thing um, in the NFL is have these guys having long arms. It's all about your feet. If you don't, if you have slow feet, uh, it doesn't matter what your upper body or your strength or anything like that. It's it, you got to have quick feet to play in the NFL. So, Bill Parcells was
4: a guy who believed in measurables. He would hear none of it if you were if you didn't fit what his profile <laughs> said. He was that guy. Now, certainly there, as you said, there are other If a guy can play, he can play, and especially with tackles, its feet more than anything else. So there are, I don't know how many coaches now, given the the number of, given the wave of analytics, I don't know how prevalent that is, but if you say turn on the tape, translate for me, you turn on the tape, you watch a guy play against college players. And not NFL players, and they're, the NFL players are bigger. They're meaner. They're faster. They got tricks. So, what is it you look for? How would how would a fan listening to you turn on the tape and scout say Peter Skaronski, whose arm length is not what what they would what some would like? How would you scout him? What should fans look at?
3: Uh, you know, just uh, does he play with an, a, a good base? Um, I, I look for. You know, hip strength, flexibility, uh, knee bend, um, how well you, you, you work your hands, you know, inside position, um, the, the quickness. You know, I, you, you do mention, you know, Bill Parcells and the analytics. And, you know, I've always said I was so lucky coming out of college that I wasn't asked to go to the Combine because I would have done so bad at the Combine, I never would have gotten a free agent tryout with the Chicago Bears. And it was just um, – it, it's just – I was lucky to have Mike Dick as my head coach because, you know, he didn't care about analytics. It's just whether you could play or not. And um, so, I mean, you, you just look at guys' backgrounds too. I mean, do they love the game? I, I think that that has to be top of the list. you got to get guys – that absolutely love football and love everything about it the training in the off season, you know how do you enjoy working out um, that um, that was a big thing you know uh, Tom Thayer and I I remember um, as soon as the season was over we would um, we'd usually go over to Hawaii or something like that and you know, we wouldn't take one day off. We sit and start working out again right away, and uh, so that's you know, you, you can outwork people in the NFL. Um, it, it, probably you know, in, in any aspect in life, you can outwork somebody, and and if if you want it bad enough, I really believe uh, you commit to it uh, with everything. Now, with the way the diets and people we've learned about nutrition and dieting, um, you can really um, increase people's potential to play in the NFL. What we've learned about
4: Jay Hilger Hilgenberg in the last couple months is that he owned a horse or co-owned horses <laughs> with Buddy Ryan, and he was lucky. Maybe the only person to say he was lucky that Ditka was his coach. How many other guys have said that? Jay, how well, many other guys say that, feel that?
3: Um I don't know. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think I've discussed that much with the other guys. But. <laughs> you know I, I i grew up in a football you know my uncle played 16 years in the nfl this the same era you know with mike uh-huh. dick uh, so you know i grew up um i grew up uh watching the nfl and looking up to these guys so it was always every day i went to work i tried to you know, get a compliment and impress and catch Dick's eye about something I would do. So he he was a real motivator and, and, and also our offensive line coach, Dick Stansville, Hall of Fame player. I mean, you get compliments for those guys. You you know you're doing something well.
4: All right. Well we're glad you didn't go to the combine. We're glad you came on the score as well. <laughs> Jay, I appreciate it always. Thanks for the visit.
3: Uh, hey, nice talking to you.
4: All right. That's Jay Hilgenberg. Bears Center. Super Bears, my friend, 85 Bears, and he was on the WBBM 780 AM pregame, postgame, halftime show with uh, the former Ron Gleason and Jim Schwantz. Love talking offensive line with him, and he is a link to the last Bears champion, the only Bears Super Bowl champion. And it's not happening next year. That's what's frustrating. But what is going to happen, it's happening now in baseball, new rules. It affects players, managers, scouts, everybody, including announcers. We're going to talk to an announcer, a voice that, a name that scoreheads might recognize, Wayne Randazzo. He was, one time, he was a co host on Saturday Suckage, as was virtually everyone in the 312 area code. Right now, he's calling Angels games. He'll be. He'll be talking about Shohei Ohtani. How soon does Wayne run out of descriptions? We'll ask him that. We'll talk about the new rules, what broadcasters have to do. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Sucker, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be.
2: Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?